Welcome to Restaurant Inc., the business of food podcast. Each episode, our hosts discuss the important and exciting aspects of the food service industry and what you need to know to be successful in this business. From ways to build customer traffic, increase profits, re-engineer your menu, and so much more. What are the hot new items and trends in food service? We'll discuss these and more each episode. If you are in the food service business and you want to see more growth, more customers, and more profits, our expert hosts and their guests will take you there. And now here's your host, Adasha Townsend, Managing Editor of Restaurant Inc. Magazine. Chef Johnny Besh's backstory is as colorful as his food. His culinary career spans more than 20 years with stints in the Northwest Pacific, South America, and Puerto Rico. He's taken what he's learned along the way to create a robust global menu at Chicago's Boulevard Restaurant. We chat with him over laughs and bites. So, Chef, I just feel like you have such a joyful character and you just really have fun when you're cooking and you're running around the kitchen. I do. Am I correct? Yeah, no, I do. Um, It hasn't always been like that. But okay. why not? <laughs> well, you know, when you're when you're a young chef and, you know, you got a lot to prove and mm-hmm. um, a lot of guys, they, you know, they they take it way too seriously. Mm-hmm. And there's a time and a place, you know, um, the business comes first and you have to take that seriously. But, uh, you know, if I don't if I can't joke around with myself and uh, who's going to, you know, um, I just feel like I over time uh, it. it the, the job can be stressful enough as it is. Mm-hmm. Adding more stress to it by being overly serious is just uh, doesn't doesn't produce good food. I don't think. But you just love. I feel like you love 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 what you do. And do. it started when you were ten, cooking with your mom and your grandmother. Absolutely. I mean, there's pictures of me when I was three years old stirring a pot of chicken noodle soup. So <laughs> uh, it goes back. It's always been in the family and been in the blood. So did they let you cook? I mean, actually cut items too. Yeah. I mean, um, you know. I started peeling potatoes and onions when I was mm-hmm. six and um, doing the prep work, you know. Uh, Speaking of which, <laughs> tell me about, so it, it appears that you were at restaurants doing this at an early age too. How did that start? Before you were even a teenager, you were cooking, right? Yeah, well, restaurants. there was some situation, I mean, nothing full time, but, okay. uh, you know, there was some situations early on where uh, I remember being back in a kitchen when my mom was working in a restaurant ah, in front of the house okay. and, you know different time uh different day and age you could stick your kid in the back and he'll peel, <laughs> sit on a milk crate and peel potatoes that so you really caught the bug early oh to, yeah definitely. To cook. And it's you knew always then. been something i wanted to do um okay tried a bunch of other stuff but mm-hmm. you know um here i am <laughs> so the first thing you did when you got out of culinary school is you headed to the west coast what was yeah. that experience like? yeah i actually went to uh school in portland oregon mm-hmm. um western culinary institute um Moved out there in 2000, so wow, 20 years ago now. And um, yeah, pretty much stayed in Portland in the Pacific Northwest mm-hmm. uh, for the first half of my career, I would say. Yeah, cooking around the Portland and Seattle and Washington. Was it as hot as it is now as far as, you know, oh, like the yeah. wine I scene mean, and the food scene? It was it was under the radar, so okay. it hadn't blown up yet. Um, Portlandia hadn't happened yet. Right. Um, you know, but there had been makers and artisans and winemakers mm-hmm. and um people just flocking to that area for ingredients you mm-hmm. know and um being around an almost year-round growing season and um just everything that you know a, 
a chef's dream come true kind of kind of scenario. so these were things that you learned you learned all about the ingredient driven menus and the wines when you were out there you were on a lot of farms as well yeah absolutely i mean that was you know um there's no michelin guide in portland there's no um you know you've got your local accolades but everyone is there for uh you know for the for the experience of mm -hmm. handling product and um being around some of the, the the greatest makers and artisans you know in the country so what exactly is the queen how do you describe the food there oh wow it's uh you know it's portland's a melting pot like anywhere else um you know you've got similar influences but the pacific northwest is obviously very much uh seafood driven mm -hmm. um yeah lots of seafood lots of uh fresh produce that kind of thing and you know and um you know then you got your coastal rural towns that you know there's a bit more simplicity um but in the city itself it's you get a mix okay. mix of everything i mean um i spent a lot of time working for the french out there philippe boulot at the heathman um you know he's kind of like the grandfather of french cuisine in the okay. pacific northwest so okay. um yeah, I mean all different, all different nationalities, and mm -hmm. yeah. So um, after that, you went to Latin America. You went to a few countries. Yeah. Um, what did you, know, you learn there? I wanted to go somewhere warm. Okay, <laughs> number one. Uh, yeah, I was the rain and the cold. I was like, all right, I need to go somewhere warm. Um, so I ended up uh, spending about a year backpacking through Central Illinois, or sorry, Central America, uh, Nicaragua, Costa Rica, Panama. Um, you know, fell in love with the food, mm. um, Afro Caribbean. Uh, cuisine, um, Latin American cuisine in general. Um, yeah, so that, that was, that stayed with me, uh, in my cooking. I drew a lot of inspiration on that. Um, mm -hmm. and then I actually fortified that by when I moved to Puerto Rico later on in my career and opened up, uh, mix on the beach for Lan Ducas. Right, right. And then you have a lot of friends, including in addition to the Heathman on the West coast. Yep. You also went to France and learned some techniques as well? No, actually, um, I've never been to France. I'm going in June. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. My, Where are you going? My first Europe trip in June. Uh, three days in France, three days in London, three days in Amsterdam. Nice. Yeah. Exciting. Nice experiences. Yeah. So let's talk about the boulevard and how all of these experiences you've had with French cuisine and Latin American cuisine, Central American cuisine and the uh, Pacific Northwest, yeah. how all of that has culminated in what you're doing today here at Boulevard in Chicago. Yeah, well, it's it's conflicting in a lot of ways. Um, you know, when you're trying to do a, uh, um, we're trying to kind of streamline our, uh, our focus, our concept. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, my, Rooted, having having rooted technique in all those different aspects, okay. um, you know, it's hard for those things not to shine through um, unless you completely extract yourself from the, your comfort zone and do something <laughs> completely different, which uh, is not, it's easier said than done. But, um, but yeah, I mean, a, a lot of the techniques that we use here uh, in the kitchen and that I'm teaching are very, um, uh, you know, very rooted in, in traditional uh, French cuisine. Um, but again, yeah, like a lot of my, um, you know, time in Latin America and working for chefs that do, you know, uh, Japanese and Asian cuisine and that kind of thing, uh, a lot of that stuff ends up shining through. So, mm. I want you to talk about some of the dishes yeah. that you've brought today. I am really interested in this risotto because you said it's yeah, vegan. Totally That's such vegan. a hot trend right now. But this is an <clears> entree. <throat> it's got black truffles. Like, talk, talk about this dish. It yeah. smells so good. Well, you know, the, um, the rice is the star. Um, 
Carolina Gold Rice uh, coming from Anson Mills. Uh, they mill it fresh. Um, you know, we it's it's uh, the the whole germ is intact. So you have to actually, if you use Carolina Gold Rice, you have to keep it refrigerated or frozen because it will spoil. Um, but we just we treat it like a risotto, and it's actually considered a chameleon grain, which is um, very versatile. You can cook it light and fluffy. Uh, you can leave the starch intact and use it as risotto rice. You could even make sushi rice with it. Hmm. So it's a very versatile grain. Okay. Um, so in this preparation, uh, we're making a risotto, uh, cooked in vegetable stock, maitake mushroom. Um, and then instead of finishing it with any dairy or any animal product, we make a, a, a nut butter out of cashews, which wow. we soak the cashews in almond milk overnight, um, make a puree. Mm -hmm. So the consistency of like soft butter and uh, fold in some truffle into that. That goes Yum. into the risotto, so it's nice and creamy. Uh, but again, totally uh, dairy-free, gluten-free, uh, vegan. Uh, has a little salad on top with uh, some fresh and pickled vegetables. It looks phenomenal. Uh, some shaved black truffle, because why not? We're Boulevard. <laughs> right? Uh, <laughs> Fancy. Yeah. Um, they're in season. So, um, yeah, and then the little sauce around it is um, uh, actually a vegan demi-gloss that we make with uh, with the the same vegetables. You're listening to the Restaurant Inc. The Business of Food podcast. We'll be back in just a moment. But first, are you running a restaurant, working in the food service industry, or just a lover of food? You need to check out rfsdelivers.com and see all the tools and insights available to you to help run a profitable food service operation. Want some new recipes to wow your customers? We have those too. Come see us at rfsdelivers.com and get the tools you need and the inspiration you crave. Running a restaurant comes with many challenges, and Reinhardt Food Service has the tools to help meet the needs of your food service operation. Check out rfsdelivers.com and find out how our team can help find more profits, build customer traffic, and create buzz around town for your growing restaurant. Get it right from us. And now back to our conversation. With Boulevard being very steakhouse focused and lots of seafood, to have this vegan dish on here that's just, it looks so hearty yeah it um, eats like a meat it, it really does and uh, you go to a lot of restaurants and i just feel like they're you know they, they always feel like side dishes right so how hard was it to come up with something like this not uh really hard at all i mean i actually had to kind of reel it in i i was trying to put a bunch of like vegetarian vegan focused kind mm -hmm. of dishes on the menu and um you know uh, uh ultimately the customer you know kind of dictates what where you're going to be successful so mm -hmm. you know this one stood out and um we do really well with it so it's kind of stayed on for some time now but um yeah i mean i, I like to have a nice mix on the menu i mean you know you can i th I, I feel like you can be a, a steakhouse focused and and have a bunch of meats and sides but also you know um there's a whole you know there's a whole market out there mm -hmm. um you know for for vegetarians and and uh, vegan alike so i feel like this is something that the hardcore carnivore would probably gravitate to as well yeah i mean i've put this in front of people that that don't touch vegetables and they were just <laughs> blown away so it worked it worked out in our favor uh what about the seafood for dish you have that you brought up brought for us yeah today? i get in front of you there's a shrimp cocktail um you know not your not your traditional uh shrimp on chip dice with uh, mm -hmm. uh uh cocktail sauce so we on the bottom layer um, there's actually a uh, horseradish panna cotta, which mm -hmm. is set with gelatin. How did you make that? So that's just um, prepared horseradish and cream uh, steeped together like a tea. Okay. Uh, we strain out the 
the prepared horseradish, so the, the cream is infused with that flavor. Okay. And then we just hydrate some gelatin. You can use pectin, or sorry, you can use um, powder gelatin or sheet gelatin. You could probably use pectin too, but um, yeah, we just um, hydrate some gelatin into it and set a thin layer in the bowl in the refrigerator, mm -hmm. and it just sets up and it uh, has a nice consistency. Um, and then on top of that is a uh, spicy tomato syrup or spicy tomato gastric. Hmm. So together, those two things taste like a cocktail sauce. Yeah. So it's kind of a, I hate using the word deconstructed, but <laughs> but there I did. I is, that did. A, is that a word we're not supposed to use anymore? Is that kind I of passe? Oh, I think it was in vogue like 10 years ago <laughs> and then maybe longer. And then uh, kind of everyone used stayed it away to from death, it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But I just used it again. I'm bringing it back. You wanted to talk about your how you were influenced because you said you were he heavily influenced by some of your mentors. Oh, for sure. For sure. Um, I mean, this is not exactly but it's uh <clears throat> it's almost out of the alain ducasse playbook um my time uh, working for him down in puerto rico was very influential um and i worked with some great guys on his team uh definite mentors um sebastian rondier uh you know sylvan porte those guys um legends in their own uh, uh respect but um you know they they really reinforced my passion for ingredients and um, simplicity, you know, it doesn't have mm -hmm. to be, things can be, uh, simple and elegant at the right. same time. So, um, I know you wanted to also talk about yourself being a mentor the, to the next generation of chefs. Yeah, it's important. Um, you know, uh, working closely with, uh, Dr. Gotham Narla, he's a professor at, uh, uh, University of Michigan in the genetic medicine department. Um, I've done a lot of work with him at the Young Scientist Foundation, hmm. and those guys are, you know, um, different fields, obviously. Mm -hmm. But uh, you know, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of crossover as far as uh, you know mentorship and, and and really investing in the next generation. And you know, you can't talk about the problems in the culinary industry right now without talking about you know what are we doing to, to kind of fix things. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, I'm I'm really fortunate I have a sizable enough kitchen where um, I can actually spend time with the guys it's not just all head down cooking uh, you know 100% uh, performance based you know we we can actually take time with our guys and and really kind of cultivate good habits and um, you know and try to reach them and and mm -hmm. influence them to stay in the, the industry because that's part of the problem is people are just not seeing the value and um, you know so as bad as some people complain about things are in the industry, I also, you know, challenge them to say, well, what are you doing to give back mm. and, and mentor and teach? And mm -hmm. um, so it's really important for us. Yeah. Uh, speaking of that, um, how exactly do you go about that retaining employees? Well, uh, yeah, it's that's the it's just that's a the hard question, thing right? all over. It is. I mean, it's, um, you know, uh, it, it, it can be defeating sometimes, you know, you spend time with people and, um, uh, you know, and you, you, you try to teach them everything, you know, and, um, try to, you know, give them scenarios that you went through and, um, it's not easy, but, um, you know, it's not going to stop us from trying. So is it, <laughs> is, is it really that different than 20 years ago when you first started in the industry, as far as the mentality of young chefs and other culinary artists coming into the industry I, I just think it's different um you know guys were getting into it for different reasons I mean I was even part of that you know food network had just started up mm -hmm. um 
when I was getting started. And um, so even before that, you know, people were getting into it for different reasons, actual viable career option. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, and then the passion of it has to be there. Uh, I think a lot of people get into it and they realize, wow, this is really hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it, it, nothing happened, nothing comes easy and nothing's... Uh, everybody wants to jump right in being yeah. an executive chef. Well, you know, and well, everybody wants to make the money, you mm-hmm. know, and everybody wants the, the status and the title. And, mm-hmm. um, but, uh, but you got to put in the work it take, and it takes time. I mean, I, you know, like you've I said, you've done I, everything. Well, I hope not. You <laughs> no, know. I mean, I mean, you've had every position in the kitchen for what I understand. Yeah, and I, I actually made it a point to follow that, the, 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 the growth patterns of the chefs before me, you mm-hmm. know, a uh, couple years washing dishes, a couple years as a prep cook, a couple years, you know, uh, you know, um, Comey doing grunt work and, you know, trying to get a spot on a line somewhere mm-hmm. cooking and, you know, mm. five, six years in at that point, I haven't even started cooking anything, you know? <laughs> so, I mean, um, but it's what builds a foundation and right. that foundational work is essential to, um, the long, the long-term vision if, if this is a career that you choose. So, um, yeah, it's just interesting. I, you know, there's no, there's no, um, substitution for experience. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So, especially in this game, you know. Um, and now I'm at the point where it's, you know, I can really focus on what matters. And, um, you know, again, going back to mentorship and uh, uh, guest satisfaction. I mean, you know, creating memorable experiences for people is uh, is really what it's all about at the end of the day. You seem like you'd be a really fun guy to work for. This kitchen just seems vibrant, the scene. I mean, I love Boulevard and everything that i mean it just has a very good vibe to it yeah i hope so i mean um you know uh it doesn't have to be stuffy you know Mm -hmm. we can still do uh you know slightly elevated food and create good experiences and you know it should be an event going Mm -hmm. out should be fun you know it shouldn't be all critical and (laughs) you know i don't know when i go out my wife go out we we like to have fun so absolutely okay well Chef Johnny Besh, we really appreciate you coming down and sitting with us My for the pleasure. podcast today. Yeah. Much appreciated. Like I said, uh, Boulevard is a beautiful, beautiful restaurant. And Thank you. need more places like that that are fun. Fun. <laughs> Great experiences, yeah. and they're also fun. Yeah. So thank you so much. Thank you for having me. That's it for this edition of Restaurant Inc., the Business of Food podcast, a production of Reinhardt Food Service. If you're looking for more resources on how to get and stay profitable, or you're looking for the latest trends in food service, go to rfsdelivers.com or check out our Restaurant Inc. magazine. Are you looking for new recipes and inspiration? Check out the Dish magazine, also on rfsdelivers.com. Tune in next time for another edition of Restaurant Inc. The Business of Food podcast. Like, subscribe today.